Genesis chapter number 22. I uh, want to read again the first six verses. I told you we'd do that this morning. I only read five. But, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. And get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham and Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place uh, which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lift up his, lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and will come again to you. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering, and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they both went and they went both of them together. Let's pray. Father, we ask you again tonight that you would just meet with us. Father, we do thank you for the good singing this evening. We thank you, Lord, for the families that are represented here tonight. Lord, we ask you, if you would, just to help the heavy hearts of those, your people. God, we pray that you would help the hearts, Lord, that are struggling with uh, decision or indecision. Father, we ask you this evening, Lord, that you'd show grace and mercy. Lord, we pray you'll draw someone closer to you. We pray that you might allow us, Lord, to see your hand at work tonight. We thank you, God. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we gave you the title, Laying Your Isaac Down. And uh, as far as the message, we said that there in verse number 1 and verse number 2, there was a hearing. Uh, Abraham heard God speak uh, his name, but then he also heard what God spoke. He listened to what God spoke. Then there was a rising in verse number 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning. There was no delay. He heard what God told him to do. And he got up and set to work the things that needed to be done before the journey took place. Then there was that working uh, there in verse number 3. The Bible said that he saddled his ass, he gathered the young men, uh, he gathered Isaac, he claved the wood, then he rose up from his work. And we told you right before we left that uh, he did these things by faith. And uh, Hebrews said it best, but also said it the most confusing. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And until you've experienced faith, that definition in Scripture is not going to make a whole lot of sense. Uh, but if through faith you you believe God and you trust in God and you depend on God, then that verse will make a little bit more sense. Uh, but by faith, Abraham set out on his journey. And so tonight we'll deal with the remembrance. This is number four. And I want to look back at verse number three. Abraham rose up early in the morning. He saddled his ass, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son claved the wood uh, for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place which God had told him. And so after all of this working, again, I have to reiterate that there was no tarrying on Abraham's uh, um, uh, on, in, in his mind, he 
He rose up early that morning. He went to work. He set things in order. After he set those things in order, I said this this morning, he stood up, he straightened his back, he grabbed all those things that he had gathered, and he went on his journey. Uh, But there is a remembrance here. He went in the direction uh, in which he was sent. If you look there at verse number 2, he says, You go to a mountain uh, which I will tell thee of. But in verse number 3, he says, He went unto the place which God had told him. Now, we don't have Scripture that says from God that you are to go to such and such place. But he does say there in verse number 2 that I want you to go into the land of Moriah. And so there was a remembrance in verse number 3 of what God said. And there's going to be some times, I mentioned this this morning, there's going to be some times that there will be outside influences that begin to tell you to do this or begin to tell you to do that. And they will do everything they can, Hunter, uh, to try to influence you in the quote-unquote right way. But I want you to know, as a young believer, uh, the Word of God needs to be in our hearts so that we can remember what God has said to do. Uh, If we depend upon our own knowledge and we depend upon our own self-will, then we are inevitably going to fall. But I'm glad tonight that there is a Word of God uh, that we can stand on, but it will also lead us along our path. And we can we can change the words if we want to. We can change the cover. We can change the color of the print. We can do whatever we want to. But I want you to know tonight that God's Word is always going uh, to stand. How right is always right. Wrong is always wrong. Uh, God's not changed His mind on those things. And Abraham remembered the words of God here. He remembered when God said, Take thy son to a mountain that I will tell thee of. He said, I don't know exactly where I'm going, but I know I'm going in the right direction because God has pointed me to a place. Amen. And you and I, I mentioned this morning, how we may not know the end of this thing. We may know we may not know point B in our journey. But Brother Jody, whether we know the physical place or the place where God wants us to stop and just lay down and die, I don't know that we'll ever know those things. But I do know, bless God, that there is a heaven to gain. Amen. And as a believer, as a Christian, a child of God, our goal, Brother Nick, is on the other side of Jordan. We may fall. We may stumble. We may drag ourselves through the mud. We may kick one another while we're down. But honey, press on. Remember what God's Word said. Hey, press on towards the mark, the prize of the high calling. We're getting to heaven. We're going to go where God desires that we go. He says, but, but I remember, I remember that God said, go to Moriah. And he said, I'll tell you a little bit more details when you get there. But in this remembrance, notice, again, there was no delay. I told you at the beginning there was no tarrying. And as you go, we need to remember God's word. Uh, but remember, he had not told him yet the exact place to go, which of those mountains he he was to go to. But I want to encourage you tonight that there is a promise to hear from God. Again, you say, what do you mean? Notice the end of verse number 2, which I will tell thee of. He said, I remember that God is going to tell me something. 
I'm about to run. I remember that God is going to tell me some things. And so here I am going. I'm, I'm, go- I'm leaving everything. I only got two, two men with me. I got my boy with me. I got my fire in my hand. I got the knife on my side. I got the wood on my son's back. I don't know what in the world's going to happen. I know what God's told me to do, but I'm going to put my face like a flint towards the area of Moriah. Oh, but bless God, I believe the thing that kept him going on was the very fact that he remembered, I will tell thee of. Hey, what? Hey, but listen, you don't know what's going to happen. I'm about to run, and you going with me, fat boy. I'm telling you, me and you, we through the window. Listen, I want you to know, you might not know what's going to happen on the road to, to up there to Atlanta tomorrow. You might not know how long your daddy's going to be up in the shepherd's center, wherever it's at. You may not know what's going on, but listen, you got to promise that you will hear from God again. Hey, on this road, when you're trying to lay down your, your Isaac and you're doing the best that you can, you don't know what to do, I want you to know God's not done talking. Amen. He's given us a direction to go in. But he, what? He's promised that He will tell us more later on down the road. Number five, there was a recognition. Verse number four, let's look at it. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Now, I'm liable to get caught up, and we'll just call it a night right here. There was a recognition here. Notice that there were days of travel. It said there in verse number 4, that on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes. The third day. I, I got In my study, I started thinking about this. And the first time that we see the third day, is in Genesis chapter number 1, verse number 13. And the evening and the morning were the third day. That's the first time we see this, okay? But I want you to follow me. The last mention of the third day is in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 4. And he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to Scriptures. You say, where are you going with this? Who was Paul writing about there in Corinthians? He was writing of Jesus Christ. He was writing about the resurrection. I want to, I want to, I want to encourage you tonight of that when the evening stretches long across the mind and, and it seems like the darkness just simply envelops you on this three day journey or on this journey of laying down your Isaac. And it may seem like the days are long and it may seem like the days are hot and those nights are weary and it seems like you can't do anything but wrestle with the things that God has talked about. You can't wrestle. You, you, it seems like you can only wrestle with your own thoughts and your own minds and you second guess every step that you made the day before. But glory to God, there is a third day coming. You say, preacher, what, what do you mean? Well, I need us to know that when the darkness over takes the day. I remember that the morning is a coming. Amen. I remember that after the toil of night, there is a new day just ahead. Over in Revelation chapter number 22, verse number 16, it talks about that morning star. Hey, I want you to know tonight that when the day has passed and that darkness seems to envelop us and we can't see the hand in front of our face, I want you to know that Jesus Christ Christ, and they rose up on the 
third day is the morning star there in Revelation chapter number 22. Over in 1 Peter chapter number 1, verse number 19, 2 uh, Peter, it says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do, 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 do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Uh, listen, Samuel, you didn't even know what I was preaching about this morning when you sat right over here where Kaylee's sitting and you started talking about that little light shining in darkness. I want you to know what the rest of this verse says. He said that light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and after the day star arise in your heart. Hey, I want you to know that even when the lights burn dim here in this world, there is a day star that dwells within us. There is a day star that can bright, that can lighten our way. Oh, when everything is dim, everything is dark, there is a day star. There was a recognition. He said, listen, I'm going on. I'm three days in this thing. But you know what? I made it through that first day and the dawn came. I made it through that second day and the dawn came. The bright morning star was there. Bright in the morning star was there. I was scared all night long. I kept hearing stuff out in the, in, in the woods and in the wilderness. I'd hear an animal make a noise off in the distance and I wonder, oh, what would the rest of the night have? What would the rest of the night hold, brother Bobby? Oh, but Abraham might have said to himself, I made it through day one and the morning came. I made it through day two and the morning came. Oh, but just like that third day in the garden after Jesus was, was crucified, I want you to know on that third day, oh, something and happened just like it happened back in Genesis chapter number 1 about that third day of the bride and the morning star rose up on that third day that Abraham was traveling on and he showed him what he was looking for. There was a recognition. There was a, there was a something. There was a resolve. <clears throat> Verse number 5. I'm trying to hurry. Verse number 5. And Abraham said unto his young men, If this doesn't light your fire, the old saying is, your wood is wet. Listen to me. Verse number 5. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass. I don't get too excited about that. Y'all stay here. That's what he says. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship. I can get on that. We're going up there to worship. He said, I want you to take your son and offer him as a burnt offering. That was worship. He was, oh, but honey. He said, I and the lad will go yonder to worship and come again to you. <laughs> he said, boys, y'all just stay right here. Me and Isaac, we're going to go up there and we're going to have church for a little bit, but we'll be back in a little while. That's the updated King James Version out there. There was, a, there was a resolve. He spoke to these men in faith. He said, y'all, y'all stay here. Y'all abide here. Y'all don't go anywhere. Abide. Dwell continually. Abide ye here. He said, don't leave. Don't worry. When you see the fire, don't worry about it. When you, when you hear the cries, you hear the, you hear the screams, you hear the weeping, don't go nowhere. Y'all abide right here in faith. He said, y'all abide down here. He said, me and the lad, we're going, we're going, and we're going to worship. 
Can I tell you this? <clears throat> You've heard this before. There's a contemporary song that says, I'll praise you in the storm. I don't like contemporary music, but I kind of like kind of like that. If, I, if anything, I like the words. Just praising him in the storm. Honey, we've been through some storms in this house. Y'all hear what I'm talking about? I mean, I can go, I, I can go pew by pew and talk about the storms in our lives. But you know what's different about us and other folks? And I'm not, I'm not comparing people. I'm not comparing churches. But God's people have a peace that when everything in the world is falling apart, we can get, still get up on the mountain and we can praise God. <laughs> hey, we can still worship God in the middle of the storm. He said, God told me to kill my son, but we're going up there and we're going to worship. Now, if God told me to take one of my children up to a mountain and, and kill them, I'd have a hard time worshiping that God. I would. But that God, Rachel, ain't like every other God. I'm trying to get to a place about God, and I'm trying to get there. He had a resolve. In faith, he said, y'all stay here. In faith, he said, we will go and worship. In faith, he said, we will come again unto you. I, I, I believe the scripture actually says that over in Hebrews chapter number 18, verse number 19, he said, of whom it was said that in Isaac thy seed shall be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, whence also he received him in a figure. He said, he said to those men, he said, we're going to worship. He said, we will come again unto you. This was done in faith, Brother Jody. He had a resolve that if he would follow through in obedience and doing the things that God told him to do, God was going to take care of it all. Right? If Hebrews said either him and the boy were going to be unharmed and they were going to walk down that mountain, or he would go through with the sacrifice and God would raise him up from the dead, and still they would walk hand in hand down that mountain. Either way... Y'all hear me? Either way, they were going to worship. That Isaac that you need to lay down, I told you this morning, usually that Isaac is self in, in, in us. It may be sin. It could be something else. I don't know. But quite often it is self and we got to lay it down. But I want you to know how that as hard as it is to lay it down, I said it this morning, how it was Elohim how that said, hey, I want you to give him to me. Elohim is that one that must be worshipped. That was God that said that in verse number 1 and verse number 2. But by verse number 14, it was Jehovah, Jireh, the one that would provide. He said God demanded worship, and then Jehovah Jireh provided a way to worship. Listen, your Isaac is not as important as you think it is. Lay it down. God's going to give you something better. Got a resolve. Can you speak with surety that God is at work in your heart and life? At the end of your obedience, are you resolved that God will be worshipped? That's what God desires, is that His people worship. 
through this trial, through this heartache and hardship? Can, are you resolved to worship God? Very quickly, there was, there was a representation in verse number 6. Look at it. It says, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac his son. He took the fire in his hand and knife, and they, both, both of, they went both of them together. There was representation here. He took the, and we could go, Brother Kurt talked about the types of Christ. Abraham is a type of God here. You could see this in John 3.16. Okay? Abraham is a type of God. He is offering his son. But Isaac is a type of Christ. And he took the wood and laid it on Isaac's back. Here is a representation of our sin being placed upon Isaac's back. We can go as deep or, or as wide as we want to in that. There is a picture here of God laying that cross on Christ's back as He walked up that road to the cross. It's a representation that we see here in verse number 6. But verse number 7 and 8, there is a response. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here my son, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? I'll be right there with Isaac. Uh, Daddy, um, listen, I know we're going up there to worship through the fire. I got the wood on my back. Lord, I don't hear no lamb. We ain't got no lamb. But there was a response. Listen to what he said there in verse number 8. And Abraham's son, my son, Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And I love this. There was no rebuttal from Isaac. So they went, both of them, together. Both of them, they went together. There was no argument. There was no but. What? what uh, no, no other questions. His father spoke. And the son was obedient. So, I just kind of put it back in your court tonight on this part. God has spoken. The Father has spoken. You as His child, what are you going to do? Are you going to fight it? Are you going to question God? Or are you going to just go to worship with God? There was a response. He said, where's the lamb? God will provide Himself a lamb. I want you to know this, that Isaac played a huge part in Abraham's obedience. He could, have, he could have bucked the system right there. He could have put two and two together. He could have realized that it was him that was fixing to be slain. But he trusted the Father. I told you that oftentimes that Isaac in our life is ourselves. I wonder, as you prepare to lay down yourself, <clears throat> will you be obedient to the Father? Number nine, I believe it is. There's a preparation. I'm not going to spend time just giving you this. There was a preparation. He built, in verse number nine, an altar. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. 
bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Again, there was work to be done. He built an altar. He laid the wood in order. He laid it in place. He put it exactly the way it needed to be. And he bound Isaac. Just a verse before, he said, God's going to provide a lamb. And now, Isaac is being bound and placed upon the altar. But I, be- I don't believe there was any lies spoken by Abraham. I believe in verse number 8, when he said, God will provide himself a lamb. I believe he was already recognizing Jehovah Jireh. Before he he ever made it up the mountain, he was trusting in Jehovah Jireh. I I, I, want to say this. In his prevision, in God's prevision, in verse number 2, in God's prevision of telling Abraham what was going to happen and he was going to give his son. So in God's prevision, he became Abraham's provision. In in the very fact that God saw what was going to happen, He became Jehovah Jireh for Abraham. He became the prepared way. He became the preparer of the way. He's the one that provided a lamb. We've said it this way, and I don't know if it's true or not, but as they were walking up one side of the mountain, God placed a ram walking up the other side of the mountain. I don't understand that. I don't have a Bible necessarily that says it just like that. But what I do know that at the end of this thing, there was a ram caught in the thicket, and God had done what Abraham said he was going to do and provide himself a ram. There may be something, I might have to look at it, there may be something in the fact that he didn't say God will provide us a ram. I feel like I got it. But David, was it Ricky that wrote God has provided a ram? I know he sang it. I don't know if it was Ricky or not. He should write something like that if he thinks about it. God tested Abraham to try his great faith. He said to Isaac, verse number 8, God will provide himself a lamb. He did not say, Isaac, God's going to provide us a lamb. He did not say, Isaac, God will provide a lamb for us to go worship. He didn't say that. He said, God will provide himself a lamb. Reckon why come? Because it wasn't Abraham's choice to go up on that mountain to worship. It was God's choice in verse number 2. In verse number 2 is where God said, you go and you offer this as a sacrifice. That means you go and worship me on the mountain that I'm going to tell you of. God had already demanded that worship happen. And so the one that would provide is providing for himself a lamb. You're, You're asking God, Lord, provide me, provide me, provide me a way. A way out, a way in, a way for this to happen, this to happen. God, provide me this and that and the other. It may be that we just need to trust God that He will provide a lamb for Himself. The preparation, the obedience. He laid Isaac on the altar. He took the knife. This breaks my ever-loving heart. He took the knife out of his belt. He's got him up there. And I told you this morning, for to have a burnt offering, something's got to die. Before he could light the fire, Isaac had to die. 
He's already laid him down, but here's the key. I gave you in this morning in, in, in our introduction, we oftentimes lay something down, pick it back up. Lay it down, pick it back up. How do we not do that? I told you we can learn from what Abraham went through. He went to the extent is about to kill it. The Isaac that he had to lay down, Kurt, he prayed for 25 years for it. He was promised for 25 years you're going to have a son. In his 100th year, God gave him a son. Somewhere during that time, during the time after, we said this morning we're going to assume Isaac was 16 years old. Might have been 12, 14, 9, I don't know. But let's just say 16 years. So he prayed for this boy for 25 years. God finally gave him a son. He spent 16 years with him. And now God says, I want you to kill him. I want you to offer him for a burnt sacrifice or a burnt offering. And so in doing that, he could have laid him down and said, God, all right, I'm going as far as I'm going to go. I've laid him down. I've done all this work. I worked at the house. I chopped the wood. We traveled for three days. We endured three nights. And finally, we got to the third day. I saw the place that you wanted. We walked up this mountain. And God, I've got faith. And I love you. And I know you're going to work it all out. But God, I just cannot raise my hand to my child. I cannot raise my hand to this, my Isaac. I've done everything else that you wanted, but I cannot do this. If he had not raised that knife, he would not have been obedient. He raised that knife, Kurt. You think for a minute. Think for a minute. It's you and Camden. Camden's five, six, twenty. I don't know. Five. Camden's five years old, and God says, "You offer him for a burnt offering." Put put yourself. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to be super spiritual. Put yourself in that place. You might be able to go as far as building the altar, binding that boy, and putting him on that altar. But could you take that knife out and hold it over his heart, fully intending to plunge it in to kill him? puts it into perspective when it's your daughter or your son. Now think for a moment spiritually. You've held on to this pet for a while. This Isaac, if you will. You've held on to it and you've held on to it. You've nurtured it for 16 years, for how many ever years it's been. And God's finally said, hey, I want you to give it up. Kill it. Remember, if he's going to sacrifice it, Angela, he's got to kill it. So I want you to kill it. And I want you to sacrifice and I want you to worship because you've gotten rid of the thing that you've wanted most in your life. Thine only son Isaac, the one that thou lovest, I want you to kill it. Abraham, I told you, he had preparation, but he had obedience. He took that knife out. I, 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 I really feel like there was, there was emotion. I don't, I think... As a matter of fact, I know. You look at the chapter before, and Abraham, he was an idiot. I mean, look at the chapter before, I believe it is, chapter 19, 20, 21, something like that. Abraham said, hey, Sarah, I know you're my wife and everything, but tell everybody you're my sister. If I told somebody she was my sister, she would kill me. 
she might have hoped sometimes that she wasn't my wife. But if I said, hey, this is my sister, oh, Katie bar the door. So Abraham just messed up. So Abraham wasn't perfect. But I believe there was probably some, some fear, some grief in his heart as he went through the motions. I prayed for 25 years. God, you promised you were going to give me a son. And he was going to multiply. My seed was going to be like the, the, the sands of the sea. And God, I don't understand this, God. I, but God, you told me to do it. And as he lifted his arms, he showed his obedience. And he was going to do just what God said to do. But then there was an observance. Verse number 11, it says, The angel of the Lord called out of heaven, Abraham, Abraham. He said, Here am I. I would not have wanted to be Isaac at that moment. I'm looking up, bound. I'm on an altar. Just mere inches away from a knife plunging into my heart. And an angel comes up and scares my daddy who was holding that knife. I'd have died right there. But an angel said, Abraham, he said, here am I, verse 12. He said, lay not thine hand upon this lad, neither do thou, do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. Verse 13, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, or excuse me, and behold behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Y'all catch that and y'all let me know what you think about it. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. There was an observance. God got a hold of him. Oftentimes when you see the angel of the Lord spelled L-O-R-D, all in capital letters. A lot of times I think it's called a theophany, and it's a physical representation of Christ. So it's entirely possible if that mindset is right, that Christ appeared to Abraham. Oh, goodness, you think about the types. Here was Christ interceding for yet another type of Christ and said, do thyself no harm, do thy son no harm. Don't, don't hurt the lad. But he began to observe some things. He, he listened to what the angel of the Lord said. And he looked around. And he saw a ram caught in the thicket. He offered this ram, listen, in the stead. A lot of times we say, well, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to a food line instead of Harvey's. And we just casually throw instead out. But if we really think about the, the, the weight of that word instead, that's what's used here. He, he says, in the stead of his sons. This stead is the, the concrete choice. It's already been made. I'm, I'm going to lay down my son. My son, my only son Isaac, is the chosen Thing. It is what's good. But in the stead of Isaac, 
God provided a ram. Now, it may be that God wants your Isaac to be laid down, bound, and that's as far as God wants you to go. But it may be, as we mentioned this morning, that we need to mortify the deeds of our flesh. That we need to take up our cross daily, or God's cross daily, and lay down ourselves. There may come a time when God wants you to raise that knife and plunge it into the heart of yourself, thus eliminating your biggest struggle. But that was an observance here. He saw this ram. He looked, and behold, behind him a ram. He saw the ram. He offered it. He called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh. And, and we attribute that name, Jehovah-Jireh, to God, not just the place. But this specifically was the place. And it is in the mount, it says there in Scripture, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. We often picture it and and realize Jehovah Jireh as the Lord, Jehovah, will provide. But the reason that he could observe such a thing in verse 13 and verse 14 is because back in verse or chapter number 12, he met the Lord. He met Jehovah, as far as we know in Scripture, for the first time. He met the Lord when Jehovah said, You go out of your country. You leave everything behind. So he met the Lord, Jehovah, that ever-present one, that self-sufficient one. But then, I believe it's chapter number, oh goodness, probably chapter number 16, I believe it, of Genesis. He met the Most High God. He met El Elyon, which is the Most High, which means above every other God that man can make, God is head and shoulders above them. He met the best of the best, if you will. He met the one that, he met the light that outshines every bit of darkness. We talked about that match this morning. Brother David, I think last week you talked about that match. If we can make this place dark, one match would, it would light. You could, you could find your way in the dark. But that one light, that one match, it doesn't, it, you know, if you're standing here, there's still a shadow back there. But he met the Most High God when he met Melchizedek. And he said that this is the one that outshines everything. There's no trace of darkness with him. There's no... He he mentioned it elsewhere. There's no shadow of turning. The reason that he could observe Jehovah Jireh is because he met the Lord God or Adonai or Master. He is the one that, as we say, he is sovereign. He is Lord over it all. He sees the comings in and the goings out. He sees the rising up and the falling down. The reason that he could rejoice and worship about Jehovah Jireh is because he already knew that he was the Lord, that he was the Most High God. God, that he was the Lord God. But then just a few chapters later, he said he meets Almighty God, which is El Shaddai, or the strong-breasted one. Now, I'm going to help you right here, and we're going to go to the house. This strong-breasted one threw me for a loop. It means the strong one, and then it means the breasted one. Now, we're talking about Jehovah Jireh here, this observance of Jehovah Jireh. The last name of God before we get to chapter number 22 that we find that Abraham personally was introduced to was El Shaddai. The strong-breasted one. What does it mean? He is strong 
he is mighty, but this breasted one, it got me. If you, matter of fact, if you've got a Schofield Bible, you can look in your notes, find that, and you can look at your notes. I believe it's probably around chapter number uh, 16 or 17 where he mentions this almighty God. And it talks about a woman nursing her child. Now, I realize today with technology and, and, and all this other kind of stuff, we have, we have milk supplements and we have baby formulas and things of that sort. But even the best one out there, as I understand it, can't compare to that milk from the mother. And that baby that is nursed, that baby oftentimes will, will even be further along in development. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I can't say that for sure. But it's evident, Brother Jody, that without milk, that infant baby would die. They'd starve to death. They'd thirst to death. They would shrivel up and die. Why? Because there was no sustenance. There was no supply. Satisfied the hunger. But you take a baby just right out of the womb. Very often, that child will begin to look around with its mouth because its instinct, it's instilled in him by nature that he needs supply. And God is so wonderful that he says, Hey, little baby, your mama's got exactly what you need. And that baby will begin to search for that. And before, I know it was this way with both of our girls. Before they let us go home, we had to pass a, a baby carriage test, whatever that thing's called. But that baby had to be able to nurse. Whether you was going to nurse completely or not, that baby had to be able to do that. Otherwise, the doctor would not let you leave. Why? Because that mother is the very life of that baby. So let's talk about God. El Shaddai. The strong-breasted one. He's strong. He's mighty. He can lift you up when nothing else, nothing else can. He can protect you when nothing else can. But there's no supply like God's. reason, Brother David, he could get so excited about Jehovah Jireh is because he's already met God. He already found him to do everything that he needed. What, what was the first one? It was Lord or Jehovah. He's there anytime he needs. He's the self-sufficient. He's the ever-present one. He needs no outside force con to continue. He is Jehovah. He met the Most High God, or El Elyon. Uh, this is that one that is above everything else and everyone else. He met Adonai, the Master, or the one that sees and the one that knows. But then the last thing is he met El Shaddai, or the one that can meet every need, or the one that can sustain him, or when all else fails. He's the one that can protect him when danger comes. But here, he met Jehovah Jireh. Here, he met the one that will provide. And the reason that he can trust in that is because he's already provided in days before. For 25 years up to this point, at least 25 years, from 75 to 100, we know that he had depended upon God. And he made mistakes too. Let's don't forget that. He made mistakes. Tell me, Abraham, all those old guys, 
All those old people that we, oh, I want to be like Abraham. I want to be like David. I want to be like Joan. No. They were just as messed up as we are. Why don't you just be yourself and trust in the God that they trusted in? How about that? There was an observance. He said there in verse number 8, The Lord, God, He will provide Himself a lamb. Verse number 13, God provided Himself a lamb. In verse number 14, Abraham observed that indeed God did provide a lamb. Let's 